The biggest complaint I hear from women is that they don't have the support they need from family and friends to up-level their life, or they just don't know how to do it. Well, I'm changing all that. I have met amazing women on my podcast, and it's inspired me to create the Warrior Women Mastermind. What's a mastermind? It's a small group of women, hand-selected by me, specifically designed and curated for those women who want to up-level their business, brand, and mindset. You'll get incredible support and meet like-minded women in a non-competitive environment. You'll have incredible access to my network of coaches, entrepreneurs, and experts in every field to accelerate you on every level. My next mastermind is launching in the fall. Feeling like you need a push? A boost? Someone to pull you up where you're supposed to be? Well, go to my website at lizswadek.com and schedule a discovery call to learn more about how you can apply. That's Liz, L-I-Z-S-V-A-T-E-K.com. This is invitation only, ladies, but that invitation is waiting for you. Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Welcome, Warrior Women. It's back to school time, and let me tell you, I am grateful the kids are back in school and not on a Zoom. Oh, this pandemic has done a number on our kids, but truthfully, There was a mental health crisis going on even before the pandemic, hate to tell you. Today, you're going to hear some real-life stats and facts about the state of kids, teens, and college students, and how we got to the point where we are now. You will learn the tools and observations you need to be aware of to raise a thriver, not a striver. You can have a kid who has straight A's, plays an instrument, is great at sports, but if they don't have traits like empathy, confidence, self-control, and integrity, to name a few, they will not be successful in life. The good news is it's never too late to build resilience and resourcefulness for our kids and for us. So let's get started, shall we? But first, our sponsor. It's not easy for mothers of young children to get in that political door. Here are the depressing facts to prove it. At the start of 2020, only 26 Congress seats are held by moms with children under 18. That's 5% of our legislators. In total, there are 131 women sitting in the Senate and House seats, comprising of less than 24% of Congress. About 88% of women become mothers by the age of 44 in the U.S., yet despite Making up such a large segment of the population, they make up the smallest number in our federal government. Imagine the political landscape if elected seats were filled by qualified, hardworking moms who know what firsthand the majority of Americans endure day to day, raising the children of our future. Moms in Office endorsed and supported over 20 women during the 2020 election cycle. You can support Moms in Office by going to momsinoffice.org. Let's get those moms running for office. Okay, today on the show, Dr. Michelle Borba. Dr. Michelle is an internationally renowned educator, award-winning author, and parenting child expert recognized for her solution-based strategies to strengthen children's character, 
resilience, and reduce peer cruelty. A sought-after motivational speaker, she has spoken in 19 countries and in five continents and served as a consultant to hundreds of schools and corporations. Clients like Sesame Street, Harvard, the Air Force, Army bases. I mean, it goes on and on. And a TEDx talk, Empathy is a Verb. She offers realistic, research-based advice called from a career working with over 1 million parents and educators worldwide. She is the award-winning author of 24 books translated into 19 languages, including Nobody Likes Me, No More Misbehaving, Don't Give Me That Attitude, Building Moral Intelligence, Parents Do Make a Difference, The Big Book of Parenting Solutions, and Peer Cruelty, Build Empathy, and Unselfie, Why Empathetic Kids Succeed in Our All About Me World. Her latest book, and I am so excited to talk about this book, Dr. Michelle, I can't even tell you. I told you I'm all in on this book. I'm all in on it. (laughs) Thrivers, Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Others Shine. Welcome to the show, Dr. Michelle. Oh, yay. You're my new PR person. I I adore you, Liz. Thank you. I really am. I am your new PR person. I am all in on this book. I oh. I literally, I'm so excited to go. I don't even want to waste a second. I don't even want to waste a second. Okay, we're going to get right into it. I want to know, I've been reading your book, Thrivers, The Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Other Kids Shine. I feel like I have one of each of these kids and sometimes yeah. they may even switch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. I okay. got three of them. There's yeah. like, what you get, it's Russian roulette on the genetics, isn't it? <laughs> Tell me, what is the difference between a thriver and a striver? A thriver is the kid we want because that's the kid who's going to be able to live without us someday along the way. A thriver is the kid who's got internal agency. He doesn't look for somebody to do it for him. He's that that little warrior. It's exactly what you're talking about. So when he faces the challenge, he's the kid who goes, I got this. I got this. And they barrel their way through. A striver is the kid who's got a lot of good stuff going for him. But a lot of times when they hit the challenge, they don't go the whole nine yards. And that's a huge disadvantage to that child in terms of mental health, happiness, success. The good news is thrivers are made, not born. And that means we can make a huge difference uh, not only in our children's lives, but we can use these same skills for ourselves. Ooh, that's a good point, Dr. Michelle. I'm loving this. Okay. Obviously, there's a mental health epidemic. I think there yeah. was one probably before the pandemic. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Now uh, things worse with this stupid pandemic. I love when you said, well, first of all, our kids are smart. It's not that our kids are not smart, but they're lonely and they're sad and they're worried all the time and they're, they feel empty. You say grades don't matter. I think a lot of parents have just fainted dead away. Grades don't matter. (laughs) Mothers, are you still with me? Are you still there, parents? Wake up, wake up, wake up, guys. Okay, tell us. Yeah. You want a kid who's going to be resilient. You want a mentally happy kid. Then don't put all, all, all on grades. In fact, when I was writing Thrivers, I interviewed 100 kids. And this was just before the pandemic hit. And I asked them, you know, how do you do it? Every one of those kids immensely loved children, extraordinary opportunities, but they all said they were running on empty. And the quote that killed me was they said, we're kind of like being raised as products and test scores, and we're missing the stuff that makes us human. That's what hurt. And why I say grade don't matter, I know they do, but it isn't all that matters. What we've got to do is look at the balance 
because we're missing the point that resilient kids don't use the grades in order to get through the adversity. They've got a different skill set, and that's what we can teach our kids. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I now I understand what you mean by that. It, it's true. And I feel like, you know, as parents, we get into a little loop, you know, we try not to be all about the grades, but then when the bad grade comes, we're like, oh damn, because we're just worried yeah, about oh, their damn. their future. You know, so I I understand the struggle. This the thing that we've got to keep in mind, I think that over the last 20, 30 years, when we're seeing this steady buildup of mental health problems and one in five American kids was going to suffer from a mental health disorder, and then came the pandemic. That's only going to amplify a pre-existing issue. What we've got to start recognizing is we put all our energy into the grades and it's not grades or it's both that matter. So when we're looking at the seven traits that really matter most to help raise that thriver and resilient kids, notice I chose these not only because they boost resilience, which is what we want, the warrior kid, but we also want a child who's mentally healthier and happier and the peak performer. Well, the good thing is the seven matter for all of those. Yeah, we're going to get into that right now, Dr. Michelle, because in your book, you say it's not the sports, it's not the grades, it's not the instrument, it's not how smart they are, it's not all those things, it's the character traits. What? Why is it the character traits, first of all, and what are the seven? The character traits, because research says those are the ones that build the kid up from the inside out. When push comes to shove, that's what he uses in order to stand up and keep on going. That's what's going to keep his mental health in a line that's balanced so that stress isn't building at an all-time level. What are they? The first one is confidence, so you know who you are. You focus on your strengths. You know your weaknesses, but let's focus on the kid's strengths and stop fixing the kid. Let's go that away. The second one is empathy because we do know that kids need that we and not me. We do know that they need social confidence, and now we've been hit with social distancing and we're seeing this loneliness epidemic that we're buying into, yeah, people matter, relationships count. Third one is self-control. There isn't anybody that doesn't buy into that one. Our kids need coping strategies. If you don't have that, your stress goes whoop, whoop, whoop up, and there goes a mental health problem, as well as anxiety, depression, suicide. That's what's hit right now. Fourth is integrity, which I love. It's a it's an inner belief system of knowing who you are, of what you stand for, what you believe. It's the parents' values planted inside the kid. You're going to look at why that matters. But if push comes to shove on that peer pressure, this kid doesn't wiver and waver. He goes, I got this because this is what who I am. Fifth, curiosity. They have this openness to accepting ideas and people, but they're also out-of-the-box thinkers, not Einsteins and Picassos. But when a problem comes, they're also a problem solvers. They figure out a way around it and through it. And as a result, they're more likely to get it. Then comes perseverance. They don't give up. They know the harder you work, the more effort you put into it. That's what's going to optimize the success, that old growth mindset. And finally, optimism, hope. I can find the silver lining and every one of those are teachable. Too much science is on our side. We've just kind of put them off to the side. So our kids are, I think, not as fulfilled as they could be and not seeing their own best sides. Yeah, yeah. Well, now, now these seven characteristics, these character traits are the way you become a thriver. What is sort of your first step? Because it's kind of like, okay, now you've given me these seven things. I'm reading your book. What's great about this book, everyone has to get this book. Even if you get it on Audible, she gives you, this is how great Dr. Michelle is. She gives you all this, this PDF 
with all this other material in it, how you figure out what is your kid good at? What, 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 where are they on the character traits? So we're going to talk about all the extras you get, but what is the first step to becoming a thriver? The first step to becoming a thriver is intentionally realizing you can do it and putting it onto your agenda. We've got this misnomer that resilience is all locked into DNA or zip code, and it's a no-no. Resilience is made of multiple strengths. We know it because we've been looking at these phenomenal pieces of science that's been studying kids who make it despite the adversity. And it's also something that there's no one window. Well, at least 13, I can't do anything about it. There's there's hope for us too. It doesn't make any difference what age we are. You can always instill resilience. And once you look at the book, you'll begin to first, I hope, take the asset survey to figure out what your kids' strengths are. And instead of going for the weakness, go for the strength because that's going to buffer him up and build his confidence so he can do. Yes. I'm looking at what you have right now. So in this packet that you get, you get a core assets survey where you're going to kind of be able to assess, right? What your the yes. core assets of, of your kid. And what else do you get in here? Well, in addition, you'll figure out his learning styles, what his strengths and character strengths are already. What are his things that he uses to decompress? Is Those are the strength builders that are going to help him. Those are wonderful. You'll also get, in a beginning, you're going to get a really quick survey to figure out which of the seven are your kid's highs and lows. Not that you're going to try to fix it, but you're going to go, here's what his assets are. And then you'll get also age by age by age by age, dozens of ideas. You flip the one that you want to use that will work for your kids and family. Don't try to do them all. Your kid will never let you read another book as long as you live, but try (laughs) one and keep doing it until you create the habit and the change you want. Then add the next and the next and the next. I love, I love the story about the boy who loved the wolves. Oh, I did too. I Let's love that story because but like the importance of that story really is, is that we sometimes don't look at these things as strengths our kids had. Like, let's, okay, so this boy, he was obsessed with wolves and, you know, the dad was like, okay, like, well, I don't know, that's a strength, whatever. And then they went on this trip together and this boy was correcting the park ranger. He's like, actually, the wolves species. And, I mean, my God. And then the dad said, oh my God, this is, this is a strength, right? So explain why that was important for him to realize. Because it was his aha moment. If you could only have seen the dad's face when he looked at me and said, I have been screwing it up because I wanted him to get into law. And once I realized this kid knew more about wolves and the park ranger and was telling me he dreamt about them, I never realized how strong that strength was. And that was my moment to say, okay, Start pushing me into biology because there's his passion. And once we know what our children's passion is, that's what gives them meaning and purpose. When we know our own passion, what drives us, oh, we're unstoppable. The same with a kid. Too many of the kids said, they're pushing me away from what I love. And that's a whole tragedy because at the end, when we look at the, our whole lives, it's to try to figure out where it gives our kid the meaning. He said he was so funny that dad. He goes, Oh my gosh, what a moment that was for oh, me. That was so great. That was so great to read. Part of this is us, right? Like we're like, I want my kid to be a lawyer. So we're just gonna push them towards, you know, we're just pushing them towards our things. We're not looking at them and saying, Well, what are you passionate about? Or what what can you do? And I don't even have to remind you to do it because you're just all over it, doing it all the time. Yeah. 
Well, there's a great thing also in terms of an acronym. There's lots of acronyms because in the end, you're not going to remember, what were those five things I'm supposed to remember? But one of them is simply knowing what your child's real passion is. And just take a three by five card and walk around the house without your kid knowing you're watching. But what does he gravitate towards? What is he more interested in? What does he learn faster? What does he say, mom, I can't go for the dessert right now. I really love this. I got to keep going. What decompresses him? What does he do that when he's doing it, you see that there's a healthy change. He really seems like a changed kid. That's what drives the passion. I'm not saying don't stop helping him when he's struggling with the math, but don't overlook the good stuff that's lying in the kids. And here's why. Stanford, the best adolescent psychiatrist I think we have in the world is Bill Damon. He's from Stanford and he's watching this horrible trend. The best and the brightest going to Stanford. He says, they're incredible kids, best well-educated groups we've ever had but only 20% of them now coming in have passion. Let's look at another thing. Let's look at what all of the studies are telling us. When I was interviewing all incredible counselors from Ivy League schools, they said they're well-educated, but they're empty. They arrived to us and we're running out of counseling services for them. The number one time our kids are most likely to drop out, hang on to your hats on this one, is end of freshman year, first semester of college. They finally get there and then they don't have the coping skills or passion or sense of belonging. Many of the parents said they were overwhelmed. They dropped their kids off before the pandemic. And they were looking at why do all of these dorm room doors have a yellow line on them? Those are kids who don't want roommates because they don't know how to get along. Oh, it's a whole new change. And the stats are mind boggling. But it was college counselors who said, There's a change in today's kids that we need to be aware of. Even Mm. when you choose the college, your child chooses the college. How cool to give them a fist guide, put it in the bathroom with post-it notes and say, look through it and find where you see yourself. Where do you see yourself? Because the highest correlation of whether your kid is going to stay there is whether or not he sees himself belonging there. Yes. Does he have that, that sense of joy there? So that's what confidence is. And that's what's going to give your child and you this, this wonderful edge. First of all, it's also going to help you figure out who your kid is. And that's the greatest tool for parenting there is. And then you can gently figure out how to push him in that direction. And finally, you can stand aside and help him pull you. That means you've done a job well done. Totally. This is, this is two things I want to talk to you about. First of all, let's be real. Some of these kids are like, my passion is Fortnite. These kids are on yeah. Fortnite 24. What do you do with a kid like that? Now, listen, my kid is like that, but I've also noticed that he loves coding and he really gets yes. lost yes. in like some coding and stuff. So while he's over there playing Fortnite, I'm like, okay, I do not, I'm not looking to have a gamer as a son. I'm really not. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's actually good for him, but he does love computers, Dr. Michelle. So it's hard. So what do you do with a kid like that? Well, The first thing is you always try to figure out what scientists are telling us we're not asking enough of. Why? What's Pat? What drives you toward that? What is instilling that love? Play the game with him. Watch it as you're playing it. Is it helping him become healthier? Many kids say there's certain games on that are phenomenal. They're helping me more creative. Empathy, they're virtual reality kinds of things. They're stepping into the shoes of someone. So it's not like let's just knock off all of digital world because that is part of our kids' lives. But let's make sure that it's something that's going to help our kid become a healthier human being. And then second of all, let's also be clear that 
we also should be worried that during this one thing called a pandemic, our kids have been using digital devices as their lifeline. That's what they needed. Now, all of the research says is watch out. They're now addicted. So pretty soon the doors are going to open up. It's a no brainer, but the doors to schools will be opening up. And the other thing that kids are saying is the strength number two is they're lacking. They haven't been exercising their empathy muscles. They're extremely anxious about getting in touch with other kids. What do you do? Well, start regaining the boundaries so that your kid is relating to real life human beings. If he is online, then maybe make a rule that it's got to be with someone or you've got to see the person. It's got to be maybe Zooming with the individual or Skyping so it's face-to-face because empathy is driven face-to-face. And that seems to be going down and that's going to be a tragedy. You can also encourage your kid to practice his social skills. The three most highly correlated traits of well-liked kids, they don't have 50,000 friends, but they do three skills. They say hello. They wave hi. You can do that when you're taking a walk with your kid. Just start waving. I know they can't see your smile because you've got the mask on, but wave. They'll also be more likely to get a response back. That's going to excite them and they'll keep doing it. Second thing is they encourage others. Fascinating. When you're playing shoots and ladders or you're playing chess with your kid, one of the rules of the game is we're going to shake on it that you've got to encourage me or you got to do an elbow bump or you've got to do a high fi or good job. They're lost. They're not doing that nearly enough. And that's so simple. Third one is eye contact. Look at really strong kids. When they want to be, have their needs be met, and that's a thriver, they don't look down. They look up. You can make a rule in your house. Always look at the color of the talker's eyes. What will happen is your kid will be taken more seriously by the other friend. Bullying actually goes down. Confidence goes up. And that's something, all of those traits, so simple, but you just keep practicing and practicing and practicing until they become the habit. I love it. What is the difference between, because you mentioned self-confidence, I'm all for self-confidence, but I think we went down this horrible self-esteem road, Dr. Bohr. I don't know what the hell we did. We were like, trophy for everyone, self-esteem. So what, I know you don't mean self-esteem when you say self-confidence. No, I don't. Confidence to me is it's quiet inner confidence that doesn't need a trophy or a gold star to realize it. It's a knowledge of who you are, acceptance of your weakness, and you don't rely on accolades in order to get it. We got on the bandwagon of self-esteem in all fairness to all of us who were doing it because we've been told that was, that was what worked. And you'll see in Thrivers that whole chapter of the 450 footnotes in the back refuting it saying, no, it doesn't. In fact, it has very limited correlation to academic achievement. What does is awareness what your strengths are. And so just alter it. Just alter it. You can acknowledge your kid's strengths. Tell him why that you see that. You can even do earshot praise, which is really great. Praise the kid without him knowing he's supposed to be listening to it. He's eavesdropping on you telling dad, wow, you should see his artwork. He's really wonderful at it. He's so improved on it. God, it gives him such joy. That quadruples the praise and it's earned. I love that suggestion. I read that in the book and I was like, I've actually done that without knowing that that was a really good thing. And notice you're exactly right. The reaction is so much more because you see them, you know, they're kind of like, smiling in the corner because they can hear you kind of bragging about them. So it's, I love that. Such a good tip, Dr. Moore. I love that. I love that. So we talked about teens, one third of college students dropping out on their freshman year, highest college dropout rate in the industrial world. 
I mean, I know helicopter parenting, stress. I know this is all part of it, but I was really yeah. shocked to read that young adults, 40% of young adults, a 75-year record high are living with their parents and experiencing a failure to launch. And of course, depression and anxiety, like you mentioned before, off the charts. What do we do? It, well, you, you mentioned you mentioned finding purpose, but what do we do for these these college kids and these kids who are getting out of college and they're just lost, failure to launch? What do we do? Lost is a good word. And please remember that stat was prior to the pandemic. In all fairness, many of those kids are coming home because there isn't a job. But what happened along the way, and by the way, one of the most lucrative new businesses is called adulting schools, where parents are actually paying high price, like a tutor, but the adulting school is helping your kid, who is the adult, learn to make his bed, do his bank account, how to do the microwave. I was talking to MBA managers of the apartment complex, and they say, we're seeing something really weird prior to the pandemic. The parents are hovering in and coming in, setting up the kid's apartment. And then the MBA, Harvard MBA student moves in after mom has done it all. So maybe the first thing is realizing, I know we love our kids dearly. I know we do it. I know we want to make sure that they don't fail. But in the end, we're robbing our kids of resilience. And that is what they're going to need above all to be able to handle what we now know is a very uncertain world. If it's not a pandemic, who knows what's next down, coming down the pike. And we've got to start resetting our parenting to help our kids learn to handle uncertainty. Yeah. But what do we do? Like, if, I mean, is it about finding their purpose? These ones that are kind of like, yeah. lost well, when they, you know, like when they, the failure to launch thing, is that, is that a lack of meaning and purpose? What is that? It could, some of it is, but the other one is good old fashioned helicoptering where we've been doing it all so much for the kid that maybe our new mantra should be never do for your kid what your kid can do for himself. And maybe your next thing to do, so simple, is take a moment, just assess and be real serious. Uh, each week, choose one skill that your kid needs. I mean, one kid said, "My he just was accepted to Yale. I said, you look so stressed. What are you worried about? He said, I'm, my biggest concern is going to flunk life. I said, why? Because I don't know how to do my checkbook. I, my mom's been doing everything for me. I was at the U.S. Air Force Academy. And I said, you guys have any questions? And these incredible cadets said, would you tell my mom to step back and stop helicoptering me? Someday I need to learn how to lead in battle. So that's what the kids oh, are saying. man, man. do is go, okay, so what you do real simply is you admit it. You go, okay, I do admit it. And what a glorious moment as a parent to go, I admit it. Then each week you choose one skill that your child needs. What's the one skill? If he's a little one, it's making his bed. Could be if he's 17, it's making his bed. But each week, one skill. The checkbook, the microwave, the, the dishwasher, the washing machine, uh, setting up my own uh, doctor's appointments. And then each week you do something, how you teach any skill. First, you show it. Don't assume he knows. Show it. Watch me. I'm doing it. Next thing is now do it together. Meaning you watch while you do it at the same time together. Third is you step back and you watch. Is your kid capable of doing the skill all on his own? Give him feedback if he's not. Nope, nope, that you've almost got it, but here's how to do it right. Then the moment you say he's got it, you step back and forever. Never do for your kid what you do, your kid can do for himself. Add the next skill, the next skill, the next skill. Because thrivers not only have agency, they also have resourcefulness. 
So they've got a lot of skills on their beck and call that they can use and conjure up, and they don't have to rely on somebody else to do them. Age appropriate, but that's what we're looking for is the kid who's got developing that slow inner confidence, but also curiosity, uh, problem solving, perseverance. I got this. I can keep doing it on my own. So you have in this book ways that we can not only assess and say, okay, what are the strengths? What are the traits my child has that maybe I'm not even thinking? I'm maybe missing the wolf thing. Like I'm not even really seeing that this thing that I don't even realize this kid's obsessed with, maybe that's a strength. I don't know. And then after that, you're going to, there's some concrete things we can do to sort of try to master some of the things that they're, that they're lacking a little bit of. Correct? Exactly. Okay. There's going to be dozens and each one of them is age by age related. So you can say my kid's 17. What do I do for that age? Or my kid is three. What do I do for that age? So it's, it's age appropriate, but it's also based on which skills you think your kid needs. Just choose one because your goal in all of this is to make it into a habit so your kid can do it without you. Yes. Yes. So tell me if, if there was one thing, if nothing else, anybody's heard today, one thing we're going to take away to make sure that our kids thrive. If you, if they, if we only got one thing from your book, what would you want it to be? I would help you teach your child the coping skill because I think we are looking at an unprecedented rise in, it's so horrible that I've just reviewed the last stat that just came out. We knew that COVID was going to impact our kids. It certainly has. So one in five American kids prior to the pandemic, now it's escalated. What do you do? Step one is take a moment this week, or I don't care how long it takes to help your kid identify what a stress sign is. The moment it starts to build, what's your unique sign? Just point it out quietly, point out your own. I notice that you grind your teeth, that's your body warning sign. Or I notice that your hands go into a fist or your little feet go back and forth. Each kid is going to be different. Each child in your family is going to be different. Point it out. Then tell your child, honor that, watch it, listen to it. I learned this from Navy SEALs. The most elite forces in the world said, we spent hours identifying our stress sign. Then the moment the stress sign builds, we point it out to each other or we point it out to ourselves and we come up with a a mantra that says, I got this, or calm down or chill out. And then we immediately do a one-two breath. I said, what's a one-two breath? It says it's the fastest way to relax and every kid in the world needs it. The minute you feel your stress come in, tell yourself, chill out. That begins to talk yourself down. And then it's slow, deep from your abdomen, like you're riding up an elevator. Slow, deep breath up. Hold it. Oh God, I'm so relaxed. It's unbelievable. But it's like, whoa, got to keep going. Uh, You got to do without a lot of practice. Now, when you get it to the top of your head, you hold it for a couple of counts. One, two. Now slowly exhale like you're blowing out a birthday candle. Make sure the exhale is twice as long as the inhale. It's the fastest way to relax. And the best thing is kids say, I can do that any place and any time practice over and over and over and over. And after a while, the relaxation process kicks in. I mean, my whole body is like, whoa. That breathing (laughs) thing is like a superpower. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah. Okay, doctor. Dr. Michelle, it's the speed round time. Just gave us so much wisdom. You get to have fun too. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. What is your cocktail of choice? Uh, Scotch and soda. (gasps) You're my first scotch and soda person. I know, but thank you can thank my dad. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's kind of yeah, that's kind of like a dad drink for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love my dad. Okay, what is a mantra or quote that you live by? Oh, just breathe. 
exactly that same thing, just breathe. So anytime I feel the stress in, it's just breathe. And I, you'll get through it. It'll work. Just breathe. What makes you feel unstoppable? Anything that drives my passion, particularly a kid. If I listen to a kid and a concern and I know it's justified, I'll do anything I can to figure out how to solve it. And you really have. Your books are magic. And this one, honestly, I feel like is your best. I feel like it's, and I've read a bunch of your books. This book is, first of all, because it really goes in there and makes us understand that the way we've been looking at our kids is totally wrong. Like this grade instrument, my kid plays the piano, the cello, who cares? If your kid is going to drop out of college the first year because he's so stressed, or if he's going to be suicidal his junior year because he's so stressed about his grades, who cares if he can play piano? Yeah. Who cares? Oh, yeah, you really have to look at that. So I'm really, I'm really glad that you wrote this book. Who do you most admire? Right now, first responders. I don't know how they do it, but my heart just bleeds for them every time I see them and they just keep going. Their heart is extraordinary. Yeah, they're just, they're superheroes, superheroes. What are you most proud of? Oh, my kids. I really love them. They did really good. They're happy. They're happy campers and they're doing good out there. Do you have three? You have three boys? I have three boys. I don't know how you get a girl that could be the next podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? What happens is you have the three boys and then they get married and then you get your girls. Oh no. First one's a grandson. I love him. There's nothing better than a two-year-old. Maybe you're just supposed to have boys. I don't know what's going on. What is exciting you the most right now? Actually getting the word out about this book and yeah. how it's resonating. It's, it's fascinating. I think there's a lot of people out there that are getting it and it's like, oh gosh, good. I'm not out there alone. Yes. Well, I'm so appreciative. Thank you for coming on today. I love that you put all this, this PDF in here with all this, like assessing it figuring it out that, I mean, because sometimes we read the book and we can't make it tangible to us and we can't make it apply. So thank you for putting that in there because it really is going to help everybody to kind of discern, okay, for my particular child, what do I need to do to make sure they're a thriver? So thank you so much for that. Oh, thank you. You made my day. Thank you. I know you you're releasing a book in a pandemic, but I'm your PR girl. So guess what? It's going hey. everywhere. Everybody's buying this All book. All we need is How about scotch and soda and life would be complete? (laughs) There you go. Exactly. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Michelle. And thank you for everyone for joining me. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye. Bye.